This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law and also Ron Rishlock, who is the Jamie L. Witten Chair of Law and Government and Professor of Law. Ron's been on the faculty since 1987 and also currently serves as the university's faculty athletic representative. This morning, we'll talk about holiday decorations in public places and the First Amendment. If you have a question about the First Amendment, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz, and it is great to have Ron Rischlock on today. Um, he is, uh, we promised him we wouldn't ask him any NCAA questions. Basically. He is our <laughs> athletic advisor, but he's also a trusted advisor to the Vatican, uh, the Pope, and um, really is, uh, has written extensively on, on religious issues uh, and, and the law. And so what, it's a real honor and a pleasure to have him on today. Yeah, and it, yeah, in addition to being advisor to the Vatican City's delegation to the United Nations, he's a member of the Mississippi Advisory Committee to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. Welcome to our show, Professor Rishlock. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, we're excited that you're here. Uh, we're, this morning we're talking about the First Amendment, so I'd like to go ahead and read that. Uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. What a lot of uh, information packed into that little paragraph. It really is. It's uh, and it's so important. I think uh, the the whole Bill of Rights, but but the First Amendment, which gives us free speech, free press, assembly, uh, and of course the religion clauses. Uh, it, it's uh, it really marks us uh, uniquely uh, as uh, as Americans. That's right, listeners. We're talking about that nativity scene that might be on the court, courthouse square or some other types of religious displays that are on public property. So give us a call this morning. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. So, uh... are religious holiday displays a violation of the First Amendment? Well, Liz, uh, you know, thanks, thanks for asking. It's, uh, 
anybody, if you want to put up a religious display at your house, at your church, uh, on private property, anywhere, not a problem at all. The question exists when it comes to public property. And the, the First Amendment, I was, uh, the, the history of the First Amendment, which you just read, I think is so interesting because, you know, the, 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 the uh, Constitution was put together that hot summer in Philadelphia, and then folks had to take it back to get it ratified by the colonies. Colonies had just fought and defeated King George, and they didn't want to be creating a new King George in Washington, D.C., a new strong central government. So they insisted upon a Bill of Rights that would limit the federal government. And one of the things was making sure that there were no laws respecting an establishment of religion. And today, we all think that means, uh, you know, the state can't create a religion. Frankly, at the time, it also meant the state couldn't interfere with colonies that had established religions themselves. As late as the 1820s, uh, if you didn't go to the right Congregationalist church, on Sunday in Massachusetts, you could be fined. Uh, Catholics and Jews were prohibited from holding office in many of the states at that time. So they really were trying originally to restrict the new federal government from interfering with religion in any of the colonies. So this is uh, both a protection for people to practice their own religions and a protection from a government trying to push a particular religion, a religion on everyone. That, that, that's, that's right, and particularly it was the federal government. Until then, the Civil War changes things. The Civil War, we get the, the 14th, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, and now the Bill of Rights begins to be, in some ways, applicable to the states. That really becomes fully implemented in the 1960s with the Warren Court, uh, which, which really now says... The, uh, and so, so we've come to, which comes to our modern understanding, which is that the government, be it state or federal, uh, can't establish a religion, can't endorse a religion, uh, has to protect your ability to practice your religion with just a few limitations. Uh, but uh, in essence, uh, what, what we're looking at and we're talking about today is, is a city, is a state, is a, any municipality or county government able to put up a Christian display or a Jewish display uh, or, or an Islam display, you know, anything? Are they able to put those things up uh, without violating the Constitution? And there have been some interesting Supreme Court cases talking about those issues. Yeah, you've, you mentioned that. I know I just in my looking up, I noticed there were a couple. Uh, one of them was uh, Lynch versus Donnelly. Can you tell us what that was? Sure, Lynch, Lynch versus Donnelly came out of Rhode Island. Um, there, there's a, a town there, uh, Pawtucket, and had a, a Christmas display that included a nativity scene, a crash. Uh But it also had Santa Claus, reindeer, uh, Christmas trees, some things like that. And the issue becomes, does this nativity scene uh, violate the, the First Amendment by... A, being an establishment of religion or endorsement of religion by the city, or is it merely a recognition of the season? And and the court, in essence, held. I, when I teach this course to my class, I always joke that you know Rudolph saved the day because, uh, once again, because what if it stood alone, the nativity scene would be 
a religious endorsement, it would be prohibited. But the court said because of the reindeer, because of Santa Claus, because because of uh, Christmas tree, it was just part of recognition of the season. And it's a federal holiday recognized by the government. Uh, and because of that, uh, the nativity scene was permitted, did not violate the First Amendment. Great. Now, one of the other Supreme Court decisions. And now, what year was Lynch uh, versus Donnelly? That was quite recent, right? Lynch was uh, 1984. Well, you know, if you think of our country starting over 200 years ago, that is pretty recent. And then another of the Supreme Court decisions that uh, tweaks or influence this is Allegheny versus the ACLU. Can you talk about that? Right. Uh, Well, that's one that came out of Pennsylvania and, uh, frankly, Pittsburgh. And there were two displays, two separate issues in this case. One had a crash or a nativity scene on the state's leading up, uh, steps leading up to to the uh, courthouse. Uh, It had a sign that said it was property of a Catholic organization, uh, so it was not, uh, it was not, it was not like, hey, the city of Pittsburgh endorses this. In fact, there was a sign that said, uh, uh, at you know, this time of year, we recognize liberty. And, and I think they were trying to deflect some criticism. This was about five years after the Lynch decision. They were trying to, trying to, to not make it a pure endorsement of religion. Uh, at the same time, there was a display in a park that had uh, a menorah, had a, a, uh, a Hanukkah um, display, uh, it was outside of a building. Uh, it was alongside a Christmas tree. The court took these two issues uh, together in one case, found that the nativity scene on the steps, which really stood, despite having a sign, it stood as alone as the only display right there. That was an endorsement of religion, and that violated the First Amendment. The menorah with, by the Christmas tree in a different area, not right by the courthouse, uh, uh, did not. These were very close decisions, by the way, and that's one of the things that it's difficult in a lot of these religious display cases uh, when we get 5-4 decisions so frequently uh, on the court. But the court said, you know, there's a mix in one case. It's kind of religious, but it's not solely religious. The other is just too religious and being right there at the courthouse uh, that violates uh, the Constitution. Hey Ron, do you think the fact that it was a courthouse was important in that case? Was that something that they, they took into consideration? You know, Richard, I, I really was thinking about this last night because there was the Ten Commandment cases about ten years ago or so uh, where there were two ca- again, two separate issues came to the Supreme Court. In Texas, there was an outside display of the Ten Commandments, and in Kentucky, there was an inside the courthouse display of the Ten Commandments. And in each case, they kind of were surrounded by other things, but the court in that case held that the uh, display inside the courthouse violated the Constitution in Kentucky. The one outside in Texas did not violate the Constitution. And so I, I do think that there's something there. The court didn't expressly say that, but I think there's something about putting it right there at uh, such a central governmental office uh, that the court says that makes it more like an endorsement. An endorsement is, is the concern. Is the, is the city, is the, the government endorsing religion or, or particularly, especially a particular religion? 
Well, I find all of this fascinating and that it gets down to the minutia of what door you might have the display by. But when we come back from the break, we're going to delve into this a little bit more. We'll continue our discussion about holiday decorations in public places and the First Amendment. If you have a question about the laws concerning the First Amendment, give us a call at one 877 mpb ring That's one 877 672-7464. You can also send us an email at legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you miss any part of this program, I want you to remember that you can listen to the whole show at MPB online slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and our guest today is Professor Ron Rishlock. And this morning we're talking about the First Amendment. So give us a call if you have a question about that. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring, that's 1-877-672-7464. And in my researching the this topic uh, on the ACLU's website, I came across what a quote, the first, first Amendment religious freedom includes two complementary protections, the right to religious belief and expression and guarantee that the government neither prefers religion over non-religion nor favors particular faiths over others. These dual protections work hand-in-hand, allowing religious liberty to thrive and safeguarding both religion and government from the undue influences of the other. And I thought that was very fair-handed and American. I I agree, Liz. Uh, and uh, you know they that they are often involved in these cases uh, on the side of people uh, fighting uh, for um, their not having an establishment of religion, but they also have uh, represented people on the other side who are trying to have their religious rights protected. So the ACLU uh, does get involved very heavily, and you know, and uh, sometimes we're really talking. What, what what's interesting here is you can move into a free expression a free speech issue where so a a religious person wants to uh, advance a, a particular idea or thought and maybe they can't get a permit for a parade or a march or a display 
and so what looks on the surface like a religious issue may in fact actually be a speech issue, and the ACLU has a tremendous history of defending uh, free speech. All right, we have a call that we're going to go to now. Brian from Butte has called in. Welcome to our show, Brian. Um, thank you. Hey, um, I was wondering, I was um, reading in the paper the other day about some boy up in Wisconsin that had a lunch bucket that he put uh, a rebel flag and a Nazi flag. I do not agree with what he put on there, but anyway, he had the stickers on his uh, on his lunch bucket. And um, he got fired for having those on there. Is that a First Amendment issue? Was this a student or or, or a worker? I'm sorry. Um, He was at work and was on his uh, lunch bucket at work. Well, you know, the the First Amendment protects speech from government interference. Uh, An employer can fire you for saying something that uh, the employer finds offensive. So the First Amendment doesn't mean you can say whatever you want with no consequences. It says, Ah. you know, the government isn't going to stop you. So an employer uh, can can fire, and it's not a First Amendment issue. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, Brian. And with the government, I I guess, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, at my house, we say majority rules, but... With our government, we try to make sure that the majority doesn't run roughshod over the minority. Well, that's exactly the the idea of the constitutional democracy that we have, Uh, whereas uh, a majority of the people might want to, uh, as they did once upon a time in Massachusetts, you got to go to a particular church on Sunday. Uh, or pay a fine, the majority might want that. I mean, it's entirely possible you could you could find an area where people wanted that. The Constitution says you can't do that. The, the majority may not like a particular kind of speech. The Constitution says individuals have the right to speak. That's the beauty of the, the, the Constitution, but particularly the Bill of Rights in the United States, I think, is that it does protect the individual's right to speak, to uh, worship, to petition the government in, in particular, and, and, and you can go down the whole list. I think the, the Bill of Rights is really uh, an amazing uh, document. We're talking this morning about holiday displays, particularly with the First Amendment. If you have a question, we would love to take your call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. When I was looking through um, a list of things that you would consider, I guess a government would consider or a citizen would consider to see if a holiday display was legal or not, it was this huge list, and it seemed kind of like some of the homeowners association rules that I've heard about. Uh, you can have a flag, but it's only this high, and it can be on the front lawn, and it has to have this. Or you can have a mailbox or a fence, but it has to be this height and made out of this material. That seems like some of the uh, uh, options on whether a display on public property is legal or not. Well, that, that's a good question, a good commentary. The... Um there are a number of factors that a court will look at to determine because you're, you're trying to figure out is the government endorsing a viewpoint and 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 the sort of the prominence, the location, 
the, the, the surrounding elements all go into that. It's, it, there's not an easy line. We, we were talking during the break uh, of why some law professors have difficulty teaching constitutional law because because it's not, and Richard and I both agreed. I mainly do evidence today. He does tax, and there, there are clear rules. It's almost mathematical. You can look at things much much more e- easily than, than you can when it comes to particularly the religion clause and trying to discern intent and uh, uh, figure out whether something's being established. Actually, I, I, preparing for this last night, I came across a really interesting story talking about a homeowner's association. There was somebody who had made a zombie nativity scene, which upset a lot of the neighbors. But again, you know, free speech on your own property. The neighbors, however, found out that he violated the, the neighborhood covenant because it was too large. So they, they had to take it down. Well, well that, I think it's I think it's great to think about this as neighbors, too, because, I mean, we are all living in the same communities. And, it, you know, it, it, we, we get the law involved sometimes. It really is just a matter of what, you know, what seems to be fair in terms of being part of a community and what we do on public property. And it's hard for courts to parse that out sometimes. We, I think we as neighbors could do that a lot better. Exactly. Well, we are talking about religious displays on public property. So I guess the the very if someone had an issue with a display, the first thing was is is it on government owned property? And what are some examples of government owned property? Well, any any courthouse, a public park, a post office, city hall, schools, universities, uh, public universities, of course, uh, all those are, are owned by the other properties owned by the government. And when a display, uh, you you may have the right to have a parade, have a display. An ind- individual uh, has a right to use these properties. That that's the thing where it gets tricky. Because um, my Christian group or your sports group, either one might be able to petition to have an event at the park. And you want to have big banners about your sports team and I want to have uh, some pictures of Jesus. There becomes an issue there. You, you know, both groups should be able to be to use the park. Uh, if I'm showing pictures of Jesus, does it look like the city is endorsing it? And and. 99 times out of 100, no, it looks like it's a bunch of people having a picnic and they can put up their flag or their banner or whatever you want to do. But if it's a permanent thing and it goes up for a long time, you know, we establish a cross and it's supposed to be there for a week and it's in a prominent part of the park, then that probably crosses the line. And so that's what makes these cases both interesting uh, and difficult to decide. One of the questions about uh, the display would be if the scene or the symbol located inside or at the entrance of a core government building, such as a city hall or a, a courthouse. Uh, can you talk about why that might be an issue? Well, again, it's the location. In that scenario, it's a lot like having it at the courthouse in the Allegheny case, uh, where it's just it's a central place for everyone's going. The, the White House has a nativity scene. It's, this is the 50th year in a row of it being on display, but it's not super prominent. It's uh, it's actually was a hand carved gift from from Italy, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's on display this year as it has been now since uh, 1967. If you put that right out front on the front porch, where it was the first thing you saw. It would give a different 
feeling, a different indication than where it is and has been in one of the, the inside rooms where everyone can see it. I mean, it's not being hidden, but it's it's not necessarily, you know, the first thing you see are the Christmas trees. There are Christmas trees all over, uh, but it's not the, the it, it conveys a different message. And again, that's why this is, is a, an interesting and difficult area. Well, and I imagine it's also uh, constantly changing when, uh, you know, the Christmas, as far as I understand, you know, started as a religious, uh, but then you know, Coca-Cola added a red Santa Claus and and it has, you know, secular and American uh, icons or uh, symbols have been added uh, to the celebration, which would make it would make specific things less religious. Right. And you raise a fascinating question for the Christians who want to see the nativity scenes in the park, do you want the nativity scene next to the Grinch, uh, next to Santa Claus and the reindeer? Do you want to de-emphasize religion so that you can get the display? Remember, once upon a time, everyone referred to Valentine's Day as St. Valentine's Day. St. Patrick's Day, which we still call St. Patrick's Day, no longer has any religious content that comes with it. Uh, As you secularize something and make it more acceptable for perhaps public displays, you remove the religious content. Do you want to go there with religion? And and I'm not sure that a lot of religious people really want to go that avenue with Christmas and Easter. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about the First Amendment. We'd love your calls, uh, your, your, uh, what you've noticed in your city. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 1- You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, or maybe you're listening at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host, and we're also joined by his co-worker from the University of Mississippi School of Law, Professor Ron Rishlock. And this morning, we're talking about the First Amendment and specifically about religious holiday displays. So we have a caller now. We're going to go to Columbus, and Amanda called in. Thanks for calling in, Amanda. Hi. I love you guys' show. Great. What's your question or comment? One of the things that um, we're noticing in northeast Mississippi is more and more cultural diversity of ethnic minorities and religious minorities, um, including, you know, coming in with the universities and the students. 
where do you guys see this going as far as religious changes within the school system? Because obviously a lot of these children of these immigrants that have different religious values and beliefs, and then these schools still want to put on the traditional kind of Christmas pageants and, and Christmas holiday themed events. Well, gee, Amanda, that that's a really uh, <laughs> that's a really great question. The uh, you know the, there's a, a strong uh, line of, of Catholic schools throughout the nation. Uh, the Catholic schools were founded primarily because because religion was being taught in the public schools, and it was a Protestant form of of Christianity that was being taught. That uh, the Catholics felt the need to separate and develop their own. Uh, schools, so you know, you know that whether that's a, a good move or not for society, that there was some of that, I, and I suppose that was in a, a way a, a, a ultimate protest against religion in schools. I mean, yeah, it, cool. the Catholics weren't opposed to religion, but there were the, the, but if it's not your kind of religion, it becomes very problematic. Uh, and I suppose as we see the, the increase in, in Islam and, of course, all the various denominations of Christianity, Judaism, uh, it would be nice if we can, I think it would be nice if we can hold together uh, some of the traditions. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 if you try to hold it on in a religious manner, uh, you know, I don't want my children being taught a religion that I don't believe in, and you don't want your children being taught my religion. And so... That's really how religion gets forced out of the schools. Um, it's uh, we all kind of say, "Gee, it'd be great if we could teach the Bible, bring the Bible back into school." But when you do that, you're bringing in a particular viewpoint, uh, and parent and most parents, you know, not all parents share the same viewpoint, and and so it probably will cause us to uh, move further in, in the direction you suggest, and that is away from a religious basis uh, of any type in schools. Well, Ron, you know, I, being a parent who has uh, children in the public schools here, at least has had them, uh, I've still got a junior who's finishing up today, in fact, and, um, you know, we're Jewish, and, and I think a lot of it is up to the parents to make sure that they have conversations with the teachers as well, because teachers a lot of times don't even know uh, that uh, what they're saying is maybe not what somebody thinks in a, in a particular school system or what a, what a particular parent or child thinks. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we've had to have conversations, and the school has been very receptive. Yeah. Well, my, my son, uh, kid, uh, I don't know if kidding, he said he had to be the defender of the Catholic faith in a lot of his because he, they would be to- told, the class would be told this is what Catholics believe, and it was not accurate. Uh, so there, there's, and I don't think it was done in bad faith. It's we don't all know each other's religions. We most of us don't know our own all that well. <laughs> well, I would think that the holiday times would be a perfect example, you know, if we ha- if we had the perfect teacher uh, to incorporate not necessarily indoctrinating a, a child into. Uh, this is correct, but this is what a group believes. But there again, you run into the risk of, is that actually what the group believes? Right. And my concern, just, again, is whether or not some of our school districts are even sensitive to these issues coming in and that it doesn't become an issue when one child or two or three children are singled out or somehow made an example of um, versus having this conversation early on. And I'm not sure if our school districts are um, anticipating these growing pains with different minorities and, 
and ethnic minorities and religious minorities coming into our communities. My, my guess is you're right, Amanda, that we're probably not anticipating that to the extent we should. Uh, and I do think uh, that that there is a, a responsibility on the parents to help educate their children and prepare their children and 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 teach your children. Not everything you hear about religion uh, is something that you need to you should accept uh, blindly. You know that you you have a viewpoint and and uh, uh, you, you need you need to talk to your kids. You need to be the first educator yourself as a parent. Thanks sure. for your call, Amanda. We appreciate uh, bringing in that uh, uh, nuance of this topic. And may, may I make one more comment? Go ahead. I will say you guys talk about the constitutional law being the most difficult. There's many of us public defenders and criminal defense attorneys. We're the last defenders of the Constitution every day, man. We're out there. We're still fighting it. And we couldn't Keep do it without you. Fight. We really appreciate you. Bye-bye. Back to uh, some of the questions about the religious displays. We talked about um, whether the display was at the entrance, uh, inside or outside of a building. They even have s- suggestions or specifications on if it's if it's on the front lawn, if it's on the grass. Is that a high traffic area for uh, an? To, maybe it's not at the entrance, but do you go past it to get to the entrance? Well, right, Liz, and you know, I think that what what I, I read the document uh, you, you shared it with me. Thank you very much uh, that you're looking at, and I think to a certain extent, this is the ACLU saying, "Here are things that that we think would be arguable in court. These are not necessarily factors that the cases have uh, hinged upon." But I think it's it's absolutely correct. The more prominent the area, the more it seems to be endorsing, and that's what we're trying to to, to evaluate: is the government endorsing religion or this particular type of religion and all of these factors that if it's in a prominent place if it's on the front lawn if it's where people walk right past all those lean towards determining that yes that the government is in fact endorsing it uh if it's in a back room if it's in a less prominent place if it's in an area where there are lots of other displays around it uh the, the united states supreme court has the ten commandments inside of the courthouse itself but it's among a bunch of lawgivers, uh, a prominent display. Uh, so not every display is unconstitutional. Uh, you're trying to evaluate the message being sent, and and there's a certain art to that. I mean, it, it is, usually it is art. I mean, this is, a, this is an artistic display. We're trying to evaluate what is in the intent of the, the party displaying the, 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 the art, and that's a hard thing to do. It seems when there are the law cases, when there are the, the lawsuits, you want, I wonder about the, the government entity that is responsible for the display, why they don't just change it, why that has become such a, uh, a line in the sand that if someone does object to it, what keeps them from respecting that uh, opinion and trying to accommodate? Well, it, it may be that there are five people who object to it and there are 300 who support it. And if you're a politician, you tend to lean towards the 300. I, I, I think that that tends to be most of the time 
when we have these displays, I, I think probably the majority of people favor the display. Uh, that doesn't mean it's right, because as we said earlier, in a constitutional democracy, you try to protect the rights of all. But uh, the natural inclination of any politician is to go with the, the majority, and I, I think it often is on that side of the coin. That's right. I forgot that uh, some of our politicians are politicians. <laughs> All right. Well, um, with the dis- the religious displays, you you mentioned that if a religious display uh, has other symbols next to it, it might be more apt to be allowable. Correct. So what what are some some that that might be used in conjunction or that would make a religious display allowable? Well, for Chris for Christmas, you'd look to images like Santa Claus, the North Pole, reindeer, Christmas trees, uh, it, you know, a, a menorah uh, it, it is entirely uh, uh, viable there. Uh, something that just kind of says, hey, we're celebrating the season. Uh, this is a federal holiday. Uh, and it's not just uh, about uh, the nativity, the, the birth of Christ. Uh, and, and, and you see, and what I just said by the way, illustrates what we said something earlier. You're minimizing the Christian content of the display in order to be able to make the display, and that's where Christians have to think long and hard whether they want to, whether it's worth going down that avenue to get the display. So, uh, snowflakes and and uh, and bells might be uh, better uh, appropriate seasonal decorations than religious they have less religious connotations rudolph can save the day again that's <laughs> all right and uh, what about the sponsoring of a if if a public if a government on public property uh has a display or allows a display uh what if it has a sponsoring sign yeah, now that's a really great point because a lot of times it is an organization. You know, let's let's you know any any Christian club, uh, church might might petition for the right to put up a display on public property, and in many uh, communities there are areas maybe designated free speech zones where community people have the right to put up signs and put up things, and. Um, Usually, if it's open to anybody and it is not permanent, uh, such displays can be uh, put up because it's pretty clear it's not an endorsement. New York has a long-standing area where there has long been a nativity scene and a menorah. Recently, atheists have put up a display next to it, and there's a big battle about that uh because you know you want to take your kids to see the the displays and and then they they encounter something that that the you know the parents don't want to be looking at but if it's open to everybody you know should it be open to everybody um that uh, that is is clearly a step in the direction of showing that it's uh not endorsement however it's not determinative because if you remember the county of Allegheny case we talked about the nativity display on the steps going up to the courthouse had a sign that said that this was property of and sponsored by a Catholic group. And so 
despite the sign, and the court expressly noted this, noted the sign and said, despite the sign, this still being in the prominent place it was, indicated an endorsement that rendered the display unconstitutional. All right. Well, when we come back from our break, we would love to hear uh, calls about your uh, government displays in your area. Uh, If you feel it's appropriate, if you feel it goes one way too far or the other too far, uh, our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. One thing that I have just done over the past uh, couple of days is I went and talked to all my friends and found a good podcast app. So I put it on my phone, and then when you go to podcasts, you can search and you can subscribe to some of your favorite podcasts so that you won't ever miss them. It'll get downloaded onto your phone and then remind you that there's another new episode that you can listen to. So we hope you'll take advantage of In Legal Terms and podcast us to listen to us if you're not able to listen to the whole show live or call in, which we encourage you to do. Our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And today we're talking about the First Amendment. Our guests are Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law and our guest, Professor Ron Rishlock. And I hope uh, both of our uh, law professors heard the promo. Uh, MPB in January is going to start airing A1, which is a new show at 8 p.m. that we'll be talking about the First Amendment. Well, that sounds great. I mean, that that sounds like a great show. We'll look forward to, to listening to it. And, uh, you know, Ron and I were talking during the break about um, – public schools and uh, religious displays and things like that. And I grew up in Atlanta and uh, we always had a Christmas tree and St. Carol's and, and that kind of thing. And I think it was really up to my parents to say to us, to my family, Hey, you know, that's not our belief. Uh, and uh, to make sure that, um, you know, we understood what our, our faith was, but um, the truth is, I mean, I, I look back at it and think, well, that probably wasn't the right thing for the, the school to be doing. On the other hand, I think very little harm was done in my life. If anything, it strengthened uh, my own tradition and my own faith. Yeah, we do need to remember that uh, schools are public schools, are government entities, they're government uh, property, and uh, to th- that hope, you know, hopefully our teachers, our educators, the uh, principals will include uh, diversity 
and uh, make things a learning experience. But then there's also, uh, you know, winter holidays and uh, seasonal symbolisms. Well, there there certainly are, and there are, uh, you know, there, there's uh, a a um, there are there's a richness in our various faiths and traditions, and even holidays. I worked, by the way, in Chicago for a firm that was largely Jewish, and there would be days when I was the only guy coming into work because it was a Jewish holiday. Uh, and and it, it uh, of course, I was a fully grown man at the time, so it's not like being a child. I think there's a difference there. But, you know, I, I think that, that me studying that, learning about that, I think uh, uh, is good both intellectually but for the spiritual side as well to understand that there are different faiths, to look into uh, what other people are celebrating and, uh, you know, perhaps find a new path, but ideally maybe, you know, you're on the right path and it strengthens where you are. So uh, I, 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 I don't fear the, the, the diversity. My children all have gone to uh, public schools here in Oxford. And, uh, and I think it, it's been uh, quite a positive uh, impact on them. Well, it seems that we are living more in a... Uh, 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 a universal culture or or the 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 world is growing smaller we have a lot of uh, you know individuals M- mississippi businessmen trading with uh other uh, manufacturers in other parts of the world um a lot of you know we're getting their refugee situations where people are coming in and you know learning about about others' cultures, I think, could only strengthen us as uh, Americans. And we have a a couple of last-minute callers that we're going to try to get to uh, from uh, Richard from uh, Lafayette. Uh, What is your question today? Lafayette County. Okay, I was thinking Lafayette, Colorado. Okay, Lafayette County. I wish. No, I was wondering on the new tax law, I've heard the Duke. It's making it where churches can take political contributions and have political speech now if it gets passed. I was wondering how, how that's going to affect things. That's a, that's a great question, Richard. Uh, and that is the repeal of the Johnson Amendment, which has been around for uh, over 50 years now, that, that said that churches uh, were prohibited from endorsing candidates specifically for, for public office. And, and church, not just churches, but universities, any any uh, tax exempt organization uh, was prohibited. That uh, the new tax law would repeal that and allow people to donate uh, specifically to these organizations to endorse candidates. Now, I can't see the University of Mississippi ever endorsing a candidate. I hope it never will. Um, but you know, I think what we're doing is we're allowing a lot of money from the outside to come in uh, anonymously and you know to have a voice through. Uh, Entities like tax-exempt organizations, I personally think it's a bad idea. This is not the opinion of MPB, but I think it's terrible to repeal the Johnson Amendment. I think we're going to see bad repercussions from it. Yes, it is. All right, I was just wondering what y'all thought about it. Thanks, Richard. We appreciate you calling in. Next, we'll have uh, one last call. It's Tim from Louisiana. Thanks for calling in today, Tim. Good morning, y'all. I have a question about the commons. I see just what appears to be an, a, an abandonment of the defense of the commons. You know, uh, there seems to be the privatization of the commons, 
and the um, and every time something gets messed up, the public lifts the, gets the bill. I'd we- like your opinions on that. To to clarify, are you talking of commons as a a name of a land of property, or well, under 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 law, there are three kinds of property: res publica, res private, res commune. You know, uh, and the commons is like the air, the water, um, you know, uh, and the. Um, passageways from city to city, the roads, you know. Yeah, uh, t- Tim, uh, you know, uh, in Louisiana, my son is studying for the Louisiana bar, and Louisiana draws its law f- history from France, Mississippi, uh, from England, and so you, th- that's, that's why I think we're unfamiliar with the terminology. Uh, but I, if I understand what you're saying is that um, – the public property, basically, uh, pub- public property is uh, uh, in, in our situation. Public property is what we're talking about, about displays on public property and what is permissible and what's not permissible, and it is regulated quite different than than private property. Uh, and uh, private property, as we said at the beginning of the show, if your church wants to have a live nativity. Uh, they should have it if they want to have a display. Uh, if you want to have it on, on your front yard, all that stuff is great, assuming you don't have a homeowners association issue. Uh, public property is different. Public property is regulated, uh, and, and uh, we have to look to see and make sure that uh, there's not a First Amendment issue. Tim, thank you so much for calling in today, and that is going to wrap up our show. Uh, thank you, Professor Ron Rishlock, for coming on our show. We appreciated your uh, comments. Well, you're welcome. I was delighted to do so. And we, our call screener today was uh, Java Chapman, and Jay White has been our board engineer. And for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, uh, Professor Gershon, is this, this is your eighth night of Hanukkah tonight? We are. This is the last day. Last night was the eighth night, and today is the eighth day. And thank you for asking. And I hope you have a merry Christmas, Liz. And I hope you know everyone celebrates this hol- these holidays of light because uh, you know it's all about uh, having light, even though this is the darkest time of year. And be very, very, very safe. Uh, no drinking and driving. Uh, up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show. Relatively speaking, thanks for listening to In Legal Terms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.